With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on where in the world you are tuning in from. It is a global sport, and today I have Winston-Salem Tournament Director, Jeff Ryan. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cool. First of all, Jeff, I'd like to know, how do you get to become Tournament Director of, you know, a significant tournament on the on the tour? To become tournament director of this took me 40 years of experience, <laughs> but uh, I, I arguably have been a tournament director, just not carrying that title for some time, um, most of the time while I was with the USDA. But uh, look, in my case, uh, I'm not one of these folks with uh, an advanced degree um, and and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm more of a practical guy who's learned a lot being a fly on the wall back when uh, at the time I was working for IMG. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they we were all learning what to do, how to do this. Uh, so I learned arguably getting thrown in the fire. And I've just applied that my entire career. And that um, came to a head here when I decided to come to Winston-Salem after a long time at the USTA, 24 years of running Davis and Fed Cup and Olympic tennis events for them. Wanted to slow down uh, and I fit in the tournament director position one event a year. Um, and it's it's really nice for me. Jeff, you say it's really nice and, and at times a little bit of a slowdown. Um, what about right now in the sort of week before? I mean, is it a stressful period? How do you how do you cope with this sort of last few days before your tournament gets underway? Yeah, so look, um, I, I guess in, in my space you could you could say I'm, I'm set in my ways, but I, I believe that's all good. Um, we're, uh, after my third year of organizing the event here on the ground, and much better spot construction wise you know we're, we're on schedule if not ahead just the layout think of the stadium we build an entirely temporary stadium we use a lot of tents <clears throat> and all of that is is going on at, like i said on time if not better so that just enables us to be open for business this coming friday the 18th when when the players in force start to show up and uh but you know it, it's a good pace it's a good full day uh it's probably a seven to seven schedule but that's okay and it doesn't go on and you know somebody like me versus other people who have never done this i can see 
I can see my week after the event. I can see my <laughs> my September, and that's in in some ways what helps me get through the kind of the aggressive schedule that we're in right now. That that week after as well is that sort of tinged with a mixture of emotions of a bit of sadness that you know a bit like Christmas has gone, but at least you can start planning with a, a, a sort of a more measured uh, way for the year ahead, and maybe even look back at some of the things that went right and wrong. Yeah, sure, that's that's actually a very good question. Um, you, you know, I've found over my career, back in the beginning, I remember being, if you will, rather emotional. Um, and up to modern day, present day, you know, when you put your heart and soul, I'm, I'm looking over to the right, and, and there's a 3,200-seat temporary stadium that we started a few weeks ago, and we'll take this all down in a matter of three days. <clears throat> um, you know, when you pour your heart and soul into something like that and other things after the event, there's, there's a, there is a bit of a letdown in all sincerity, but that's okay. And you learn how to, you learn how to, uh, to deal with that um, over time. And attracting players, um, bearing in mind you're in that sort of weak slot between Cincinnati and then the U.S. Open. Um, you know, is it easy? Are you sort of waiting to see also what happens at Cincinnati? Bearing in mind some people may pull out before the U.S. Open. Is this a seven-day period where you, you you look at one or two of the bigger players that are due to come and keep an eye on what they're doing in Cincinnati, or, or, or how does this play out? Yeah, so, yes, very much is, is the answer to your question. So I am watching the results in Cincinnati, um, and um, we have two of our four wild cards left. We've already um, ordered one okay. to Monfils and one to team. Right. So this is very much of a sit, wait and see type of approach. We obviously mm-hmm. field a lot of other requests um, from, you know, very good tennis players and, and people that we'd love to have here. But we are, uh, in a way, just waiting and watching what goes on in Cincinnati in case there's someone there that might want to come uh, and, and, and play our tournament. Um, these would be the likes of, you know, a top 10, top, you know, 15 type player, which traditionally doesn't sign up for our week. Um, they go on to New York, but now, and especially in the future, as these Masters 1000 events um, take shape and take form by 25, you know, Cincinnati and Canada will be longer two-week windows, sorry, and so arguably people who lose in the first round might strategic, strategically bet, be better for us, right, because people who don't expect to lose in the beginning might say, hey, I got a long time in between now in the open i need a couple mm-hmm. of matches and come here so i don't know whether that specifically addressed your question but we, we are very much sitting and, and uh, observing what's going on we've had some conversations with some folks kind of in that tournament that have said you know look if uh if you want to hold on to one for us uh and and it doesn't go so well those conversations tend to usually be with the business agents um rather than the athlete right the athlete arrives checks in i'm checking out on the in our case, the, the 28th, I'm going to win that puppy. <laughs> <laughs> How does that then, that's a really good point you raise about the fact that obviously uh, we've already seen some of these two-week Masters events uh, or 1,000s events happening in in Europe, for example. Um, I mean, next year, is Cincinnati's going to be two weeks next year, is it? One more year. Still going to be another year. So the year after, it'll be two weeks. Do you do you look at that as you just highlighted that there may be one or two big players, for example, go out early and therefore may choose to come to Winston-Salem? So that will be a positive. 
But then does yeah. it, do you think it may impact as well in a negative sense? Or how do you view this two-week format? Is it something you give the thumbs up to or you're a bit more skeptical about? Well, look, I, I would argue um, that it, it, in our case, uh, all things being the same, you know, we, we can see a two-week uh, format for those events potentially benefiting us. Okay. Um, because of, of, of what we're talking about. If you just take the examples of, uh, I think Taylor and Francis both have, have lost, uh, or lost, sorry, in, in Toronto early, if you will. Even mm-hmm. Alcaraz did, right? Yeah. If you apply 2025, um, you know, p- parameters, in other words, two weeks, and when they lost, my point is they're not going to want to sit between that point in time. They don't play U.S. Open qualifying, which is also in the week that we operate. They, yeah. they wait till the, the first day. That's a long time to be sitting matchless if you were in that pool, 1 to 20, 1 to 15, whatever you want to call it. So I, I think my answer is I, I think we could we could benefit from that down the road. Um, you know, the tournaments I know are experiencing it for the first time, and it's 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 a it's a big window of time and people who they're, they're having to, to, to think about solutions or what to do for players that we're talking about right now. But in our case, we're already positioned, right? We're already there. And, and that's why I think we're in a, a little bit of an advantageous position. Jeff, do you think there's also, though, a danger of, of, of let's say, one of the aforementioned players um, then coming to Winston-Salem in a couple of years from now, but perhaps using it as a platform? Uh, I mean, many of many of the players, of course, are using these tournaments as platforms for the Grand Slams. That's why we have this sort of crescendo. But is there also a danger in that week before that they may use it even more cynically, if you like, and just withdraw at, say, the semi-final stage? Is that something that would concern you? I mean, that would always concern me, but um, I, I believe, you know, players are coming here to play um, and until they lose. Um, we, we have, you know, doing much to do with the previous administration here. We have a lot of people that are, that are um, very fond of this site and this venue now because they've been coming here for over a dozen years. So it's a nice place, as we like to tout and say, that players can come in, get some good matches, play, play till they, you know, fall out and uh, can can relax and enjoy some good southern hospitality and conditions that are very favorable to practicing as well getting ready similar climatic conditions plentiful amounts of practice courts here outside of the hustle and bustle of new york jeff uh you've been in this role for for three years now i'm sure there's been a few trials and tribulations in that time i mean we've had the pandemic of course and we've had uh, you know, it just just managing this kind of tournament anyway must be pretty tricky. What would you say is one of the sort of, was there any sort of last minute, you know, panic moment because of something went on? Or what was maybe the most challenging moment in those three years, for example? I mean, look, certainly it, w- it was no fun my first year having to call, make the call um, due to COVID. But, you know, it's not like I was alone. Setting that part aside, which I'm, I'm hopeful that's a once in my lifetime type of event, um, it, it's it's probably my years of doing this. I mean, I've I've been through far worse than anything I've ever been through here, right? Things have not been on time. We've had some some weather delays. We've had had some folks who have d- different styles of management and whatnot, and and that's all changed now. And uh, my my roots are operations. My roots are very organized operations, and I feel like um, 
you know, that avoids what you you're, you're talking about. But you're always going to have you're always going to have bumps and humps. But we really haven't had anything, you know, that that dramatic uh, in my three years, which is a testament to the to the teams that are running this event. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What do you get a chance to see much of the tennis in the week that, that it occurs? Because I've spoken to other tournament directors that sort of catch glimpses here and there, but it's pretty much as the tournament director, it's a seven very busy seven days. Do you get a chance to, to enjoy some of the tennis going on as well? I do. Uh, I, I try and go out there and, and, you know, for a couple of reasons, just watch a little bit of the tennis, sit down, um, check out of, you know, worrying about, you know, I, I seriously consider my job worrying about everything outside of the field of play. You know, that's my job during the tournament. So carry that forward. I, I shouldn't be sitting around watching tennis in my view. However, I do do it. I go out and try and visit with sponsors and, and box holders and that sort of thing. Shake hands, say hello, you know, the kind of kissing babies kind of thing uh, in an accelerated fashion. Go out and do that. But I don't watch a lot of tennis in general. I've been around for a lot of the great matches over my years. I mean, I'm so old that, you know, I'm talking about Agassi and Sampras and Chang and Courier and Martina and Chris. And, you know, they, they were playing on a regular basis when I was getting started. So I've seen some great matches over my time, but I do try and focus my work on what's at hand, which is making sure the field of play is ready, uh, that it's supplied properly. And then from a fan point of view, all the things you want to make sure, you know, they have the amenities that they're expecting here when they show up from a fan point of view whether that be watching on tv or even visiting themselves what can we look forward to this year that may be different from other years or or, or that's also going to be back again look the site continues to get enhanced um that that just focuses on the the, the overall setup you know whether you want to get a an adult beverage um there, there's some enhancements to our concession area we we are the beneficiary of a change at um, Wake Forest University and their athletic department, who has brought in a new food service provider. They're arguably, uh, you know, a higher level, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, enhanced options for our fans. Uh, and then something that I'm particularly excited about because it, it really benefits um, broadly, uh, and that, that is new uh, LED lights, which again, if you see me looking slightly to the right, I'm looking up at one of the new poles. Um, all 13 courts are now lit to, uh, okay. for those who understand what I'm talking about, uh, foot candles, about 185. And that's really going to benefit our international broadcast pool, our domestic broadcast pool. And I think the players are really going to notice because there won't be um, the kind of fluctuations and differences in court levels that we've, that we've had here in, in the first 12 years. You mentioned some of the lights. Can you just tell us about what, what we can see right behind you? And also, I know you mentioned before we went on air or before we start recording, uh, what is in front of you as well, just to give people a picture of what's going yeah. on. Yeah, I'm standing in front of, uh, I guess, technically out back of the Harold Pollard Center, which was built um, and ready in 19. It's a, it's an indoor air-conditioned hospitality space for not only the tennis event, but during Wake football season. It's named in memory of a, of a gentleman who helped 
get the Winston-Salem Open established, uh, who unfortunately died. And uh, I'm standing on one of three levels out back overlooking our court too, uh, which has been prepped. There's some seats out there, as you can see, that have been erected for fans to just, it's open seating, they can go. We have some great matches out here. The hospitality component is, is great. Sometimes it gets a little loud, so a guy like me worries about that, just going and hush-hush people. But, you know, it, it's a great problem to have, and it's, it's you know, we can have upwards of 500 people in here at any one session. Um, and, you know, off in the distance, trying to point my finger should be at one of our new light fixtures over there I in the distance. Yeah. So um, that's what's out there. But it's a bank of three courts. We essentially set up stands on the center court facing each, each way. So the first court would be our match court two, and then the one in the distance would be match court three. Every tournament is unique, but of course there will be some things that you'll all share in common, whether it be a, a, a Grand Slam, a 250, or, or even a Challenger. Do, are you in touch with other tournament directors from time to time, and are you sharing notes and, and certain things, particularly other tournaments that maybe went wrong, or or even just, you know, we, we, we've, we're in a world of social media now where People are very occupied with with scheduling probably more than ever before and and, and when the weather gets in, involved and um you know are you speaking to others about you know what we we did have this problem for example in, in a nearby tournament in particular are you in touch with each other a little bit for sure uh, we have meetings you know in person a couple times a year but um you know the the summertime tournament directors i speak to them probably most frequently um, I, as I said earlier, I worked for the USDA for 24 years, so um, I'm very close with a lot of people still there uh, at the Open. Good, good contacts there, uh, and some people overseas from my from my travels. So yeah, I do um, collaborate and, and and talk. I mean, one of the things, if I had to say that I, I was, I guess I still am a little bit critical of, is the lack of of sharing, the lack of what is is becoming more commonplace fortunately on the ATP tour and and maybe the women's as well it's just the aggregation i mean there there are so many benefits to the us open series which was established when i was at the us open um and you know we had people representing the summertime series events talking to them from a sponsorship point of view well, we should we should be doing that from the point of view of we all use electronics we all use and by 25 the standard's going to be there we're all going to have the video screens on our baselines and sidelines and we shouldn't be talking to you know we should be talking to multiple vendors but collectively i believe we should be all you know arranging and working with fellow vendors to create some consistency that would cause some investment by that vendor to make their delivered product that much better so yeah i'm a i'm a big proponent of that uh, and even try and do it on the sales side too a little bit we haven't haven't really succeeded um, but this is the end of the U.S. Open Series uh, as we know it, um, sponsored and endorsed by the USCA. So I'm hoping, hoping myself and a few others, we can take the lead and and try and uh, you know work together on sponsorship as well as the the operations implementation side. Um, looking at the women's side, we've seen a few events this year, or at least one event this year that's uh, in Washington, for example. We've had a 500 event that was both ATP and WTA. Is that something that you would embrace at Winston-Salem, or do you think you might struggle to, to cope with both sides of the tour coming, uh, for example, for a week? We, we would not logistically, um, you know, face too much challenge. I mean, 
in my space, what, what comes to mind first when you talk about that outside of it being a fantastic thought to think that we have men and women here are just the spaces that people need to stay, the hospitality side of things. Yeah. And uh, quite frankly, infrastructure outside of the venue that I'm standing and talking to you from. Um, we're on the campus of Wake Forest University. We traditionally are the same week or the week before uh, Wake move in. And you can imagine that leads to a drain on in a city like ours and the hotels and, and things that are important to the events. So we would need to get through that. But we, we arguably have made a couple of attempts in the prior administration for me and then when I first came in, we were, <clears throat> we were thinking about doing it. And I would think in general, I'd say characterize us as, as interested in doing that. It, it, um, it's a good time to do it. And so we'll, we'll see how that evolves and, and what becomes of it. But we're, we're also taking a, a cautious approach to what's going on calendar-wise. There's a lot of discussion about adding a couple of uh, 500s at a different time of year. I think the Masters 1000s are kind of established. And I think... Once they get those two levels, in other words, the thousands and five hundreds calendarized and put in place, deal with things like next year's an Olympic year. You have to have some shifting there because of an Olympic year every four years. How do we better address that so it's not such a hiccup? Um, but after that, the two fifties will become, um, you know, the priority of the discussion going on about the calendar. And we'll see where everybody lands. Is there, is there a possibility, that maybe not in the next year or two, but at some point in the next few years that Winston-Salem could be even elevated to a 500 status and perhaps move to a different part of the year? I mean, look, we've we've consistently uh, expressed interest in doing something like that, but I think you, you would also find that, that it, it's not... Um, I don't think it's a condition that, say, the tour, the players, and, and important constituents in our space um, would, would feel is, is the best. Um, so I, I think right now we're content and understanding of that point of view and, and probably going to stay at a 250 and more focus on looking at maybe becoming a combined men's and women's event at the same level. And, you know, just me talking personally at, at a time when we can truly say that we're offering equal prize money. Indeed. Uh, just a couple more. Um, again, looking at the women's side, we've seen this this sort of introduction of the the idea that I think is just one top 10 player can play at each 250 um, on the women's side. Is that something that, that you would think is a good idea on the men's side, or do you prefer to keep things as they are? A top 10 player can come play our event. Yes, no, but on the women's side, sorry, Jeff. Now, on the women's side right now is that some events, and I think it's going to be uh, across the board next year, that only one top 10 player will be, for example, let's say Warsaw that just recently had a 250 presumably um, that one player would be Iga Svantec in her, in her home tournament. Um, but if there was another Polish player, or, or not so much, they cannot have more than, I think, one uh, player from another, uh, so from the top 10. It would, yeah. It's only um, top 10 players. They can only have one from the top 10. I think they can have another home player, but that is something that's quite new to the WTA Tour. Uh, I guess maybe as a way of, of trying to boost the situation for, for lower ranked players, but then equally from the tournament's perspective, you've only got one top 10 player there, whereas sometimes you might have two or three that wish to be there. I think they're also in a way trying to promote the premium product and, and keep the players at the 500 and 1000 level. Um, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know that I understand the whole rationale of what you're talking about. Now that I okay. listen more carefully to your question, I know what you're talking about, but um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess is that they want, because they have 
I think aspirations, if not already, for there to be a few options in each week uh, for the athletes to, um, you know, earn a living. And uh, they're just they're not trying to discourage as much as they're trying to encourage play at the highest level, which would be at the thousand or five hundred level. Sure. And the final question is, is the weather going to be OK next week? Yeah, so this is actually one of the things I, I talk to my colleagues about a lot. You know, Mother Nature's going to do what she wants, uh, good or bad. This tournament seems to have a reputation for every year there being something uh, that goes on. So maybe this is going back to your original question. You know, I've been here as a this tournament was owned by the USDA when I worked at the USDA and I was involved in, if you will, the financial transaction to sell it here to Winston-Salem. So for that reason, I used to travel in here every year. And as an example, one year, that uh, earthquake that hit the east coast of the United States, and I think it was in Arlington, Virginia, or whatever, rattled this place. Uh, last year, random lightning strike. Um, it blew out all our scanners. It blew out a lot of our electronics. It blew out uh, equipment in Hawkeye. Um, what, I, I'm not saying I want that to happen again as much as I'm just saying for me to uh, impose any sort of anxiety or worry on, on what the weather may or may not be. Do, do I have a plan? Yeah, I, I know what to do if it rains, but my approach is a little bit more like, let's just keep it positive. Let's, you know, we're planning for sun or at least cloudy weather, no wet stuff. Um, but I have court drying equipment. I have a rain plan. I have a ticket policy. If that happens, um, I know what to do, but I don't really, uh, really talk about it that much just because it's, it's going to happen. And, and and I've been knock wood um, very lucky here in the beginning to to really not have we had some rain last year but it wasn't where it had a had a real negative impact. Jeff, uh, thanks for joining us today on Talking Tennis and uh, and good luck with next week's tournament. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.